Today, I am talking to your dream elementary school art teacher. Like, you are going to want to have a Freaky Friday moment and go back to being young again just so you can be in her art class. But guys, this episode is not just for teachers. Remember, this is Creative Queso. We are talking about business and creativity and how those two things meld together. I am your host, Jennifer Perkins, a creative lady living in Austin, Texas, sitting in my closet, talking to art teachers. To give you an idea of a day in my life, today I bought supplies to decorate a Game of Thrones-themed Christmas tree, made a pair of painted leather earrings, and filmed an Instagram Live all about how to tie-dye with Sharpies kind of all over the place. And then I capped things off by sitting in my closet talking to one of the most inspiring people I follow online. And you're going to want to follow her too after listening to this episode. Cassie Stevens is the Mary Poppins of art teachers. Like she gets things done, but with a spoonful of rainbow sugar. This, my friends, is not your average grade school art teacher. When Cassie is not sewing her own custom wardrobe with portraits of Andy Warhol or his iconic soup can to wear during Pop Art Week at school, you can watch her on YouTube, listen to the podcast she hosts, or follow her on Instagram with all of her art class adventures. Teachers, creatives, lady bosses, if you have an Etsy store, if you have ever experienced burnout or wondered what kind of camera equipment you need to start your own YouTube channel, there is going to be something for you in this episode. All right, Cassie Stevens, I am so excited that you are here chatting with me. I'm super stoked also. Hooray! I mean, I'm not like an art teacher, but I'm still like, I mean, I guess in like a weird sort of way I am more since I have like small children and I'm room mom and a Girl Scout. But Are you kidding? You teach so many people every day <laughs> when you're sharing how you're creating. So you are an art teacher. But I'm not, you know, I'm not formally, that's not my title. So I'm like fangirling on you. I'm very, <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited about all of this because I think secretly in a past life, like I was a children's art teacher and like. <laughs> You know, I see you do those things, and I see my friends that do that stuff, and I'm like, I want to do that, too. That looks really fun. Little kids are so fun to to craft with. I always think of you as, like, a Mary Poppins of teachers. Like, you get things done, but with, like, a spoonful of rainbow sugar. <laughs> I love so, it. So, yeah. So, how long have you been teaching school? This is my 20th year teaching wow. arts. I know. I mean, you wouldn't guess it by my age because I'm still in my mid-20s. So I started really young, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> of course you did. Did you Have you been at the same school that whole time? I have not. I taught for five years in Nashville. And now my mm -hmm. current school, which is just south of Nashville in a town called Franklin, I've been there for 15 years. Okay. And is it a public or a private school? It's a public school. And oh, okay. if you've seen like my art room online, you know that it's a gigantic art room and I am never leaving that place. <laughs> it's the best Seriously. school ever. It, mm -hmm. You know, now that you say that, it is giant, way bigger mm -hmm. than at my kid's school. It used yeah, to no be the fair. school library. I got very lucky. Yeah, you did. No wonder <laughs> you're there for 15 years. I wouldn't, I would never leave either with that studio. Well, awesome. And so you said it's a, it's a public school. So I know like, you know, a lot of public school teachers like for math or science or what have you have like a super, you know, like a curriculum and they have to, you know, teach the test and this and that. I'm not 
I'm not exactly sure how it works for art teachers. Do you have like a little bit more flexibility or do you have to like introduce like a certain number of mediums and a certain number of like, you know, quote unquote, the masters or, or can you just go rogue? Well, the beauty of our curriculum is it's pretty broad. We have national standards and state standards, but they're pretty like kids will use art supplies correctly. Kids will use art supplies responsibly. What we decide to use is up to us. So I have a lot of fun coming up with different lessons, different media, things that I want to share with the kids. I always think back of things that I love to do as a kid fibers, working with clay. And those are the things that I'm really excited to share with my students. So I'm thankful that I get to teach in a subject where there's a lot of flexibility and freedom. When that Mm -hmm. gets taken away, it's going to zap a lot of the fun out of my job, which has happened to the classroom teachers, unfortunately. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in a good place. Yeah, no, definitely. And I can tell that you gravitate towards the Oh, the more like 3D things. I always think of you. I, I mean, I guess because we've both worked for clay companies at the same time, but I do think of you that way as you do love the the clay and the fiber and the building, you know, and I know personally that my kids love it when it's like that time at school. So, Right. I mean, you want to give them an experience that they wouldn't have anywhere else. They're not going to be able to probably work with these things at home unless they've got you for their mom, you know? So I want to make sure that they can experience all those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You don't want to, you don't want to send it to art class so that they come home with like, here's a coloring sheet of starry (laughs) night. This is how we're learning about being or whatever. Oh my gosh. You 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 make my toes curl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. All right. So one of the reasons that people and especially other art teachers love you is because of all, just like you said, all that great content that you do with your your kids and that you also share online. I was telling you earlier that my kids just did the the wings. Hello, Miss Arnold and Mr. Stryker, if you're listening. So do you um I know mostly you just have your lesson plans online on your website for free and are just, you know, very graciously give all that stuff away. Have you ever considered selling like packaged lesson plans for other teachers or homeschoolers? Well I've thought about it, but now um, what often makes it makes me reconsider is because I remember my first year teaching like it was yesterday. Um, my first year teaching, I was in a portable and it was right <laughs> underneath the airport. So I would have to stop talking probably like 30 times a day because the entire trailer would start shaking because a plane was going over. I had no idea what I was doing. There were no resources. This was 98. So there were no blogs out there. And the only thing I could do was go to the public library. And a lot of the books were from the 60s, which I dig those kind of crafts, but it's not exactly something my students were into. And I often, when I'm sharing my lessons or when I have success with something in my room, I think of myself as a younger art teacher when I share those things and how much I would have appreciated somebody doing that for me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I do that. I, um, Yeah. And if I've already created the resources or a video for my students, which I love to make videos to teach with, it just helps me out tremendously in the classroom. I love to share those in turn with teachers, especially if I know that it's been successful and that my students have really enjoyed it. I want other kids to have that same joy also. So I'm not just teaching my kids. I'm hopefully helping other art teachers teach their students too. So So I guess that's why I do it. You're an art teacher with a heart of gold is what you're telling me right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm the and I'm and I'm the and I'm the money hungry person over here going like, <laughs> but the passive income you could make on those downloadable Seriously. PDFs, like Cassie, <laughs> you gotta know. do this. But no, that is that's awesome of you. And I know you know lots of people. I mean, I can tell from you have such great. Um, interaction with everything you do, you know, whether it's on your Instagram or your Facebook or, you know, your blog, like everybody seems like so thankful. And I'm sure to you, like, I was just talking to somebody the other day, like, I love it when someone makes like a craft project I did and sends me a picture. And I'm sure you mm-hmm. love it when other teachers send you things like, here's my class's like version of, of you know, of your lesson plans. Okay, but- but that's not to say I don't think people shouldn't make money. Like hats off to those people who create those beautiful PDFs and put them up on Teacher Pay Teacher. I mean, if I weren't such a slacker, then I would go the extra mile and, you know, create a curriculum and slap it all together and maybe pop it up there. But basically, I make it for my students and then I put it out there, but I'm too dang lazy to go the step further <laughs> and make it look professional. I mean, I'd love to like, it's one of those like, do as I say, not as I do. I'm the exact same way. I'm like, but it sounds like such a good idea. But the idea of me ever getting something together and making it a PDF and figuring out how to make it something like that, like my little, my mind goes boom. But you have done that. I wanted to touch on your Etsy store really quick. So you do sell um, latch hook kits as like a downloadable PDF. Right. Um, that I started doing because I just got into latch hooking as one does, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't just like randomly right? pick up latch hooking? I mean, you and I are kindred spirits in <laughs> exactly. that way. I'm taking punch needle classes next week. <gasps> so jealous. I want to <laughs> learn. So I got so many questions about that design um, that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and share it. But since I've actually put in a lot of hours trying to figure it out and trying to make that graph, I thought, why not just make a little bit of side cash off of it? And it's been, like I said, a little bit, but it has, you know, helped curb my Etsy shopping habits. So there's that. Exactly. Added bonus. <laughs> Free money. Yeah. Yeah. They're so cute. I lo- I loved all of them. I was just like, Ooh, I need to learn to latch it. That is one thing that I oh have my never gosh, been so able easy. to, I, you know, it's that, it's that hook thing with the little flippy part. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't understand. I used to have a friend that made, this is not very art school at all, made Playboy and like penthouse, like <gasps> centerfold, but, but they were giant, like huge, like, like rug size, like for a room. And like, that's what she would do all latch hook. Oh my and they gosh, were like, on, taken you know, you ever. Oh, they did. Like, you'd have to stand on, like, up on a staircase to look down on them. They were really amazing. But, wow. you know, she would try to show me or teach me. And I I buy the kits at the thrift store. But you know what I do is, like, I love them when they they come, like, at the thrift store. And that yarn is already perfectly cut yes. in those little – what's that called, that little bundle? Because it's just, like – I don't know. Because I have to cut my bundle. own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they're already, like, in that perfect little bundle, like, I love to put, like, a zip tie around the center of them and then, like, make them into, like, a pom-pom. They're, like – so perfect. Like whenever I see them at the thrift store, all latch hook people right now are like, no. <laughs> all two of them. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It could be making a comeback. All right. Well, they are really cute. Um, So I can tell from, you know, obviously we we're talking about your online presence and other teachers and adults adore you and your work, but I am sure that your kiddos love you even more. What grades do you teach? It's all elementary, right? It is. I've only ever taught kindergarten through fourth grade. 
And if you've seen the way that I dress, I'm pretty sure middle schoolers would not, or high schoolers (laughs) would not be having any of it. Well, that was going to be my next question. Do the kids just like love your like wardrobe and your classroom? Like, I mean, I do. I'm not in kindergarten through fourth grade, but like, I love it. But do the kids just like love it and think it's like a wonderland? I think they do really love it. The thing that cracks me up, though, is that at one point, like especially the kindergartners, they're just fascinated for the first like two months. And then they hit the, well, we've seen this before. What else you got, Stevens kind of thing. And uh-huh. even my older kids, they they I rarely get comments on my crazy ensembles. When I don't dress crazy is when they comment. And I have a couple of kids who give me a hard time if I'm not rainbow enough for their taste is what I've been told. So it's funny. They, they always you set tell the bar me way too high. I know. I get no respect. Um, on wacky whatever day, whenever we have a wacky day, there's always the kids that are like, you know what you should do? You should wear jeans and a t-shirt because for you, that would be so wacky. So... <laughs> Yeah. Right. If you phoned it in, the kids would be like, what is happening? She has fallen. Yeah. Are you okay? She, she has hit her head. Like she slipped in a pile of paint. We're worried. That's hilarious. Yeah. I wonder, or like, I always wondered too, like if you ever had like a sub, like, I'm just like, I like to envision you like in the teacher's lounge. I'm just like, she's just so cute. Just in there in that teacher's lounge. I'm sure they're like the kids. They don't even bat an eye at you anymore. No. Like, it's like, whatever. There she is. No. You, the you only blend. time. I do. They don't even notice. The only time I like even remember how crazy I'm dressed is if I have to go to the grocery store or something after work. And then, then the comments and the strange side eyes come out, but (laughs) lady story of my life. Like (laughs) I feel your pain in so many ways. Um, well, you know, and I love those little, the dresses that you were making with the artists. Like I know you just went on a trip and you were making, adorable, you know, Frida and Andy dresses to wear on your trip. See, I want those to be a pattern too. Not like I would ever sew, but I want them (laughs) as a pattern or like a book. Like I want like a Cassie Stevens, like outfit of the day, like calendar for my desk. So I could just like flip it. Maybe that should be your next book. That should be your next book. I'm going to, I'm going to call Corey and like talk to them about it. Yeah, see if you can get that worked out. I will, I will. Hold on. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to your books here in a second. So when we were emailing, you mentioned that, you know, I think and you touched on it a second ago. At the start of your teaching career, you did all the things, you know, and you would what what did you say it was? Ninety-eight, so over twenty mm-hmm. years ago. But you were telling me over email that you know you attended all the workshops, you read all the books, you know, you did all the things, and yeah. then to quote you, you said you were getting bitter, not better. And now the tables are turned and you're the one doing the keynotes and hosting these workshops. So when you're teaching or speaking, you know, to these other art teachers, what are some of the kind of key things that you try to convey that you've learned over the years? Here's something I learned, and I always want to stress it to art teachers and artists because it's something that took me, I would say, about seven years into my teaching career before I realized it. Um, when I was in college, I was actually getting a BFA in painting and, um, my parents were like, you know what? My parents who were footing the bill were like, we are not paying for you to spend the next five years. Cause let's be honest, if you're going to be painting, you might as well stay there as long as you can. We're not going to pay that much money for you to be painting. You need to get a teaching degree. Also, I had never thought about being a teacher, but I was willing to do whatever it took to get that painting degree. So 
I became one of the few kids um, in my graduating class at Indiana University that was pursuing both an ed degree and a fine arts degree. And I learned really fast that it, I was looked down upon by my painting professors as not being a serious artist because I was also pursuing this other ed degree that was, quote, taking me away from my artwork. And when I would go to my ed classes, you know, wearing paint splattered clothes and not having the best lesson plans because I'd been painting all night or whatever, I was kind of looked down upon by my ed professors as not being a serious enough to be an art educator. In fact, my ed professor told me you should probably stick with art, not go in the educational field. And I got this idea in my head that based on that, that I couldn't be an art teacher and an artist both, that I had to quote, like pick a side, pick mm -hmm. a team. And when I got out of school and I got my first teaching job because I needed to eat and pay my rent, um, I um, thought to myself, well, I have to now get rid of the art idea and I have to just go full force with teaching because this is the team that I've chosen. I can't do both because I was really led to believe that. And so for the next seven years, I did not create anything for myself. I didn't pick up a paintbrush. I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know how to sew on a sewing machine. And I put all of my time and my energy into trying to learn how to be the best teacher that I could be. And like you said, I got bitter. I didn't get better. I neglected the creative side and I couldn't figure why every, out why every day when I went to school, I was just not happy shouldn't I be happy? I, I've made all these beautiful visuals. I've written all these great lesson plans. Why am I not enjoying this? And it's, I realized then that I had really neglected that creative side. And when I started to dial back on the teaching and turn my focus toward what do I want to create? At first there was actually a block there. I had no idea what I was interested in anymore because for seven years I hadn't made anything. So like I was saying, I just started thinking about what I liked to do as a kid. And I loved to um, cross stitch and needlepoint. I loved to weave. And I just started doing more creating for myself. And I even at that point, even opened an Etsy store. I was selling um, belts. I made belt buckles out of clay and I was sewing up little belt straps to go with the belts. And I did pretty well with those um, for an Etsy shop. And I really enjoyed it. I stopped doing it after a while because it stopped being fun. You know what it's like to deal with customer yeah. service on Etsy. <laughs> exactly. It's real unfun real fast, but uh -huh. at least it got me creating again. So yeah, I now whenever I talk to art teachers, I just want them to know it's going to be tough, especially if you've got a family, if you've got a lot going on or a second job, it will be tough, but you can be an artist and an art teacher both. You can do both. Mhm. Mm well, it sounds like you discovered that, you know, all work no play makes Cassie a, a dull bitter girl <laughs> that you needed exactly. you needed to do both. And you know, it's funny too because even like, you know, I'm not a teacher, but even for me, like, I feel like there's that uh, delineation between like crafters versus artists, you know, you, there's that like artists against the world thing, like everywhere you go, where you live, like in that, like state of limbo, do you know what I mean? Like you're in that, mm -hmm. like that place in between where it's just like, I feel like I have to pick, like if I want to do art, people, you know, if I want to do crafts, the art side of people won't take me seriously. And then if I do art, my craft people are going to be like, what are you doing? So mm. 
I get it as turkey. You have to kind of, and you do have to have both. And I think there's a lot of, um, not even just art teachers, people going back to exactly what you said, realizing like, I have to do some stuff just, you know, for me, like I'm teasing you about right. it. So, like selling your dresses with the artists on it. Like you have to do those things. Cause that's what like makes you happy and like keeps you going and keeps you creative. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And I know what it's like to sell stuff. So that when people ask me, hey, do you ever make dresses for other people? I went down that road with the belt thing and I did not enjoy, you know, making things for other people. Because you as an artist, you have your own vision. They have their own vision. And usually theirs just like isn't as cute as yours. So why would you want to make it? Right. Oh, I can't even imagine getting into like custom. Like my sister paints Uh -uh. custom portraits of people and their children sometimes. And I'm just like, oh, there is just no way. And I just had so many friends when I was a jewelry designer that made clothing. And they would always be like, nobody can measure themselves right. You know, so they're always having to fix it. Yeah, I don't know. We could go down the whole like selling, (laughs) selling online is can be hell rabbit hole if we wanted to. So also when we were talking about you doing, you know, traveling and doing speeches and keynotes and workshops and stuff, you also mentioned Art Scouts. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Sure. It was started by me and three other art teachers. And what we noticed is that there's kind of like a lacking of um, hands-on professional development for art teachers. So we wanted to provide that. So we did, um, for a couple of summers, we had a lot of fun running two-day workshops. It was a lot of fun presenting. Um, It was a lot of work on the front end, um, going to get endorsers, sponsors, getting um, a location picked out, food, all of those things that we had no idea how to do. We had to learn all of those things on the fly. We knew how to lead a workshop like nobody's business because we've taught teachers before, all of us had, but how to actually create a location, a, you know, mm-hmm. food, supplies event out of planning. thin air, event planning, Turns out that sucks, but we did, (laughs) we did have a really great time doing it. And it's definitely something that I would like to return to probably in a different kind of format. So I've been thinking that through because I really enjoy teaching teachers. They're a lot of fun. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're like the worst audience ever because teachers are the ones who are talking the whole time, you know, while you're trying to teach them. They're worse than their students, but they are so much fun to teach. So it's definitely something I'd like to get back to doing more of. Oh yeah, that would be fun. And pl- you know, another thing too, like I, you know, cause I used to run an event for like crafters here, but then after doing it for like five years, just like you were saying, like people just don't realize like the back end stuff that goes mm-hmm. into it. And it's just like now, like next week I'm going to craftcation out in California and teaching out there and speaking on some panels. So now I'm like all about like, I don't want to produce it. I just, I want somebody right. else to produce it. I want to go and like attend and teach and do all the things, but I don't want to find the sponsors. I don't want to find the food. I don't want to make sure there's enough mm-hmm. bathrooms. Like, right. <laughs> you know, all of yes. those things. I started to feel like I was planning my wedding over and over again, like every fall with a big event. So I feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you also, you, on top of all this, you're an author too. Like talk about all that in a bag of chips, all this and an author too. So, um, I was thinking about it earlier. You are the fourth guest on my podcast and I've only had like nine or 10 episodes that has a book through Corey. Like apparently like 
I gravitate to that publisher for people that I want to talk to. (laughs) I need to pitch them my own book. So you already have Play Lab 52 projects for kids out. But this summer, and it's already available for pre-order on Amazon if you want to go get it in your cart, you have Stitch and String Lab for kids. So can you kind of touch on what that book's going to have? So um, Clay Lab, for that book, I was approached by Quarry, um, and I was so excited to be approached because I feel like everybody kind of has, write a book on your bucket list until you actually start <laughs> writing a book. And then you're like, holy hell, what have I gotten myself into? Uh-huh. It is so much work for so little pay. Right. But anyway, I digress. Um, so I did Clay Lab, and it was interesting that I was approached to write that because, like I said, I love teaching clay to my students. In fact, I'm right now in the midst of clay weeks with my kids, and I love it. It's super stressful because it's just like so much in 30-minute art classes that I have. It's a, a lot going on, mm-hmm. but I do really enjoy it. The kids love it. So I was excited that I was approached about it, but it's funny because um, – when I first started teaching, I knew nothing about clay. So I really had to, like I said, just do tons of homework. I attended every workshop I could. So now I feel very comfortable teaching clay. Um, but teaching and creating and coming up with 52 projects, <laughs> photographing all the steps, writing it all out, that was another story. Oh. But when it was finished, I was stoked. And I remember telling my husband, I'm never writing another book again. That one was so much work. And then like, <laughs> and then you forget, it's like getting a tattoo. I'm like, yes! it hurts so bad. I'm never doing it again. And then like in a couple months, I'm like, well, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. And I even approached them because I <laughs> love, I love fibers so much. That's like my thing. I mean, I thought if, if I'm going to write a book, it should be on fibers. So I approached them about a year it took a year for the memory to fade uh, of how painful it was. <laughs> and I just said, hey, I'd really like to write a book um, on all the projects, all things fat fibers, not just weaving, not just sewing, not just embroidery, but everything that I have done with my kids under the sun. And so that's what this book is. It's every fibers project that I've done with my students. And in fact, there's they had to take some projects out because the, the book was getting a little little too big. I think it's actually 44 projects. So it's a lot. It's a Whoa. lot. But see, if you they had to take some out, then in another year when you forget, <laughs> you can come yeah. out with even Volume more <laughs> Stitch and String Lab for kids. Like, I know how Corey loves a series. Keep it coming, Cassie. Keep it coming. <laughs> well, it's funny that you, and, have, you have books on both of those because I was going to say, like, I feel like Clay... And then, like, I, th- I was saying that earlier that, like, clay and, like, fiber work are your two, like, mm-hmm. your your favorites. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of marker crayon action happening in my room. I mean, if we're getting out the crayons and markers, we're, like, melting the crayons or we're doing something crazy with the markers. There's just not any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you get kids once a week. You want to give them an awesome experience. So that's what I try really hard to do. Yeah, no, it always, it looks, you know, next level, next level art room. Like I want to come to the art room. I want to have, I want to be in one of those like bad movies where, you know, you like switch bodies with your kids, Freaky Friday style. (laughs) And then I can go to like kids art class. So when does um, the new book come out? Like what's the official release date? Um, They're saying 
July, but it's just like July. And if I were going to guess, it's probably going to end up being the end of July. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know what it's like. It's like it's I can't imagine the amount of work that's happening on their end and then just the amount of time it takes to get it all printed and all of Mm -hmm. that stuff. But I'm really excited because this one has my students in it. Um, They're featured in it, whereas the previous book, I had finished it over the summer and I didn't have access to my my little artist friends. So there's random mm-hmm. cute stranger kids in, my, in the Aww, first book. Oh, cute. Yeah. So I'm stoked that it'll be my sweet babies in there. What do you do? You just like get their parents to like sign releases at the beginning of the year? Like. Yep. Oh, and you're just like, if you don't want them in there, I just, you know, since I like, you know, whenever I do stuff for like HGTV or DIY and there's little kids like, you know, I have to get like a million releases yes. signed. So I always thought like she must be getting like releases for all those kids. That's so smart. Oh, yes. Yes. I figured, oh, well, that'll be cute with like, because too, you, I mean, my kids like to see other kids in the craft books. I like to see other kids, you know, you don't, it just makes it seem like, look, little kids really do do these projects. Right. Right. <laughs> She's not lying. They do like it. Look at their face. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pre-order a, co- a copy because I too love fiber arts and clay arts for that matter. So I'm not very mm-hmm. good at it, but I do. <laughs> Are love you it. kidding? Well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, my kid just like got like polymer clay crazy. She just took a, oh, a kawaii clay class where, you know, it was all things, all things food with faces basically. And so now she's hot and heavy into polymer clay and I'm still, (laughs) I'm still over there like playing with my Crayola model magic, like air dry clay. Like I love both of those. Both of those are awesome. They so are both. Not yeah. gonna knock either. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, they're good. I'm just like she's just like <laughs> taking it next level and she's she's surpassing me. I need to get her a copy of the book. She's knocking me out of the park. So no, you got books, you got the blog, you got an Instagram account with almost a hundred thousand followers, but let us not forget Facebook and you have a YouTube channel. That was the one thing when I talked to my kids' art school teacher today, she was like I don't know how she does all the things and how she finds all the time. I was like, I don't either. Like it makes my head spin, like (laughs) all the things that you get done. So tell me about YouTube. Do you just, how regularly do you post on there and all of those kinds of things? Well, if I were a better person, I would probably have like a schedule. But, and I've (laughs) tried those. That's just not me. I know. Our teachers are not notorious schedulers. (laughs) No, I mean, I can't even, I cannot even. So I will, I, I, to be honest, I haven't been posting as frequently as I like. I I used to like to post at least a couple of times to YouTube a week. I would share a video. Like I said, like I make videos to teach my students. Mm -hmm. So I would often just go ahead and pop those up on my YouTube. Or um, sometimes I do something called Art Teacher in 101, which is where I just sit and I don't want to say give advice because it makes me sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but I just basically share something that's worked in my room and mm-hmm. I'll put it up on YouTube. Um, so, but then that being said, I don't think I've posted within the last couple of weeks. I've been on a little bit of a vacation, which has been lovely. So mm-hmm. I try, I don't know. I, I mean, I know how I get things done. It's by not keeping a clean house. It's <laughs> by, you know, not doing laundry, making sure that we have like a bowl of cereal every other night. I mean, there's a lot of things that get neglected. (laughs) People always (laughs) say that kind of stuff to me. Like your house always looks so pretty in all the pictures. And like, how are you getting everything done? I'm like, that's because you're seeing one corner and like, and the other side of it is like Tupperware bins full of holiday crap from 
six months ago that I still haven't put away. And my kids are eating frozen macaroni. Like there's what I think it was one time I saw that on your Instagram, but it made me so feel so much better about my life because you showed this one section of your house and you're like, don't be fooled. And I thought, oh my God, Jennifer Perkins is just like me. Oh yeah. We all are. Are you kidding me? There's like no way, like something's got to give. And most times, you know, it's, it's the cleanliness of, if you could see the closet I'm sitting in right now, like. (laughs) I love that you're in a closet because I'm in one too. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I am sure we are both surrounded by crazy colorful clothes because I'm in my, Uh I'm in my caftan moo closet. So. Love it. I love it too. All right. What, so I'm curious what your, I, I meant to ask you this about your outfits too. So I'm going to go back to that in a second, but what is your most popular video to date? Like, have you ever had one that like went like viral? Like everybody loved this video. I don't know if everybody loved it, but it hit like over a million views and it was the craziest thing. Um, it's a video I put up a couple of years ago and it's about something called palming it's a way to calm kids down. Um, oh, and cool. I use it a lot with my younger students. And you just have the kids rub their hands together until their hands start to get a little bit warm. They place mm-hmm. their warm hands on their eyes. I talk to them really low and mellow. I slow my pace down and I have them take a couple of deep breaths. And then I count to three. They take their hands off their eyes. They put their hands in their lap. And then I usually dim the lights. And then I go about the lesson trying to talk in a calmer tone. I mean, you and I are very similar. We're like fast talkers. We have a lot of energy and sometimes that's great. And then sometimes when you're surrounded by 25, five-year-olds, it's not great because next thing you know, they're bouncing off the walls Uh too. So there's this, that video is one where I was showing people how to kind of bring kids down a little bit, get them a little bit more centered and focused. And that video I think has been shared like outside of the art teacher and realm, maybe by um, educators of younger children. And I guess that's why it's become kind of popular. But you know what? You can post a picture of rainbows and flowers blooming and unicorns flying, and there's always going to be some douche canoe who's going to leave some horrible comments. Always. So it's filled with these horrible comments too. Always. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, for the no. most part, it's well-loved. <laughs> Oh, well, good. Well, I'll have to check it out. You know, that makes me think, have you been watching that show um, Shrill on Hulu? Have you seen that? No. It's got, it's really cute. It's got this girl from Saturday Night Live, but in it. She I wrote, know the show. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote this article, you know, and of course, like everybody's like leaving all these wonderful comments and she's got this one troll that like, you know, as you called them, a douche canoe is like leaving all these horrible <laughs> things. And that's what she obsesses about. And I'm like, of course, pe- people don't realize that I don't care if you get hundred thousand positive comments that one mm-hmm. person that said something mean I don't care how centered you are you're gonna be like why did they say that about me exactly. or about the video I know haters gotta hate those people well I'm gonna have to check out palming especially since you know I got some little kids that occasionally need to to take it down a notch <laughs> and like I said I'm I'm room parent I'm a girl scout leader like I may to I may need to get on this palming and figure it out you might have to, especially Girl Scouts. Oof, when I hear the troop leaders in my school, I'm like, oh, bless. Right? Bless you, my child. <laughs> I mean, actually, my group is, you know, they're older girls. They're 10, and they're all pretty. And it's a small group, and they're mm. pretty awesome. But it's the younger ones. It's, it's my little one and my nephews that I got to worry about. I got to get the, I gotta get on that palming for the three of them. <laughs> so speaking of um, 
the viral content. I'm also curious about, you always like post all your outfits and we were talking about the dresses with the artists. And then I know last year you were making a bunch of really cute circle skirts out of those. Oh, oh the beach, beach towels. towels. Well, I was like in love because I'd seen them at Walmart and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so clever. What a good idea. Cause I couldn't figure out like what to do. You know, that artist, mm-hmm. um, hearts and bouffants. Am I saying that right? Bouffants and hearts. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't about? know. Uh-uh. know no, I if you look it up. You'd know her if you saw her art anyway. She has beach towels at Marshall's. I just saw them today and thought of your skirt. <gasps> but they're not round. I was like, what can I do oh. with this beach towel? What would Cassie do? WWCD. <laughs> anyway, so what is your, um, what's your most like viral outfit? Like what that you made has had the most like reaction? Well, you know, there's a lot of crazy outfits that I've made out there, but the one that the kind of grouping of um, outfits that kind of got me a little bit of attention and got me in a couple of magazines was I was doing, before I was doing the artist's face dresses, I was doing dresses that had like works of art on them. I did a hokusized great wave that was appliqued a lot like the artist dresses were. Um, I did a Campbell's soup can dress. I did um, the Scream, Starry Night, mm-hmm, Monet's. Yes. So um, when I did that kind of series, it was then that um, an art magazine reached out to me. Nashville, um, there's a Nashville art artist magazine, and they reached out to me. So I had a chance to do a photo shoot, which I'd never done Ew. anything like that before. And it was amazing. So I remember walking into this big open warehouse for this photo shoot. And the photographer was just not real thrilled to have this as his gig, you know, photographing a crazy art teacher with her crazy outfits. <laughs> and I remember walking in and he said, where is your hair and makeup people? And I, oh. and I, you know, like, I started I'm an laughing. art teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't, you know, I get paid a lot, but not that much. Um, and I just started laughing because I thought he was joking. And then I could tell by his like stone face expression that homeboy was not kidding around. I said, Oh, I'm going to do my hair. I'm more comfortable if I do it. They have the night off, you know? So, um, that from there, those photos, I still use a lot because despite his attitude, he made some, he took some really great photos that I, you know, love to share and that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of, I don't want to say it went viral, but it definitely kind of boosted my traction as far as my blog and my online presence goes. But whenever I, (laughs) The time I wore that Campbell's soup dress to the grocery store, I it had been a long day at school, and you know what it's like you, when you put clothing on. Once it's on, you don't like sit and think about what you're wearing. That's when yeah, people no. are always like, "How do you dress so crazy?" When it's on, you just forget about it. You just go about mm-hmm. your day. Um, it's only when somebody tells you all about it that you're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I look like a clown right now." Um, <laughs> but I was at the grocery store, and I'm in the checkout line. And the cashier says, hey, I don't see any Campbell's soup in your cart. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I realized what I'm wearing. And I said, oh, yeah, not today. And he goes, I hear it's mm, mm, good. <laughs> Everybody's a comedian. Every, yeah, everybody. I never go in his line anymore. He gave me such the creepy creepers. I was like, oh. <laughs> 
that guy <laughs> that guy enjoys his Campbell's soup too much for me. And taste. now you're like Campbell's soup is like ruined to you. You're yeah. like, I can't take I can't eat Campbell's soup. He's ruined tomato for me forever. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I know. I forget that like because you're just like when you're like in it, you're just like, whatever, don't I look like everybody like I was literally just mm-hmm. packing for my trip next week, listening to the B fifty twos and I always think oh, to myself, like them. I'm like, That's such a bad idea. Like listening to the B fifty twos and packing for a vacation <laughs> because I'm gonna get there and have all these like crazy outfits like packed and then be like what was I thinking like I was having a moment (laughs) but I figure you know I'm I'm in California what can I do like I'm gonna have to wear that that wackadoodle skirt I got in Palm Springs like there's no turning back that's all (laughs) all I got so so when we were talking about YouTube I'm kind of jumping around a little bit I also wanted to ask um, cause you know, a lot of people want to do videos and I'm sure lots of other art teachers would love to do videos and are inspired by you, but I think people feel really daunted when it comes to the idea of like equipment. Do you use any like fancy schmancy equipment or are you just like popping up your iPhone on a tripod and pressing go? Pretty close. I mean, I am so low tech. You and I were chatting about that before, um, starting this podcast. I mm-hmm. am like... I am probably the last person that should have a YouTube channel and Instagram and a blog because I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't even check my email. You and I had that conversation. I'm the worst. So as far as videos goes, I get a lot of questions about that. And I think sometimes, like you're saying, people are overwhelmed Mm -hmm. if they just use what they have on hand. I don't use my phone, but I use an iPad. So basically that's just a large phone. I use a tripod and I do all my editing on my iPad. So I keep Mm -hmm. it so low tech and then I just pop it up from there. If I want it to look a little bit more pro, then I'll go the extra mile. I'll use my camera. I'll record with my camera. I'll get lighting in place and I'll do my editing on my laptop where you can fine tune it a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. if it's a lesson that I'm doing, let's be honest, the day before I'm about to teach it and I want to record it or I'm leaving a sub video, um, I usually just do it as fast and quick and easy for me as I can. And that for me is an iPad and a tripod. I think what always psychs people out is they think, well, I can't do it because I don't have all of this equipment. So I've got to go out and buy all of this or got to take these online courses and learn how to do it. No, just watch a couple YouTube videos, take a deep breath and just do mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah, no, you got to start somewhere. It's like Nike, like just do it already. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was saying, I'm sitting in my closet, people, with, like, the same headphones on my kids use to watch, you know, play Minecraft. Like, it's not that amazing and technical. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, good. I wondered. And, you know, you know, in today's day and age, I think I think a lot of people are perfectly fine with, like, iPhone video. Like, especially just with Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. Like, people aren't expecting, like, you know, Martin Scorsese. They're just like... You know, they just want the information, so. Especially if they're watching it on their phone or, on, you know, on a small scale. They don't need something, you exactly. know, perfectly well done. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Keep Everybody should keep that in mind when you're doing a video. Like, somebody is laying in bed watching you vertically with no volume on. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, like. Let's that, be honest. Yeah, let's, let's talk about how it's happening. So, like we were saying, we were talking about low tech before, and you were talking about how you record your podcast using 
what were you saying? QuickTime? You use it? I do. I, okay, QuickTime. And then I was saying I use GarageBand when I'm by myself. So let's, let me ask you about Everyday Art Room. So what kind of like, what is the podcast about? And if you were not an art teacher, would you still, you know, walk away with something from the podcast and enjoy it? I think so. I mean, a lot of times when I'm uh, getting ready to record Everyday Art Room, it really is just like a snippet, like a day in the life kind of thing. I mean, sometimes I will talk about, you know, how to use clay with kids and some of my tips and tricks with that. And other times I talk about what's close to my heart, like when I, the time I went through burnout, or I chat a lot about why it's so important for me to share my passion for art with my students and why just letting them know that I care about them is far more important to me than whether or not they make something cutesy that I can hang on the wall. So a lot of times it's more like just a conversation. Um, In fact, this week's podcast, which comes out tomorrow, um, is all about just that comparison that so many of us do on um, Instagram and social media and how sometimes we might start pursuing something like selling on Etsy or selling on Teacher Pay Teacher or starting a YouTube channel because we see other people doing it and we feel as though we need to do it as well. And mm-hmm. so I think that what I was getting at in that podcast was just like, figure out what you want, focus on you. And if it feels true and genuine to you, then go down that road, even if you're the only one going down that road. So that's kind of like what my podcast is about. It really is just kind of everyday ramblings. That's what it should be called. <laughs> everyday <laughs> ramblings in the art room. That'd but, be more that, appropriate. That sounds, that sounds completely relevant and like something I would like to listen to. You know, as well. I mean, I think sometimes it's like, you know, I talk about like business books. Like I love to read business books and it's like, like, you know, Gary Vanderchuk or somebody. And it's like, he's not talking Mm -hmm. about crafts, but in some ways, like business is business is business. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, burnout is burnout is burnout. Whether you are a painter, a knitter, a seamstress, you know, or in market research, you know, in some ways. So it's like, I think that could definitely that could translate to anyone. I'm curious, like, do you have a big um, homeschool following? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I get a lot of comments on um, on my YouTube that suggest that, and also a lot of Girl Scout troops, I think, have been using my lessons, which oh, I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even classroom teachers, you know, in some states and even in some counties within some states, art isn't a requirement. And so the classroom teachers are then expected to teach art. The art is still in the curriculum, but having an art teacher instruct isn't necessarily a requirement. So that leaves the classroom teacher teaching a subject that they might not be comfortable with. So it makes me happy when I hear classroom teachers are able to use my videos to help them teach art to their students. So hopefully oh, it's good. reaching a, a broader audience. It, you know, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. No, it seems I would, you know, it seems like it would reach far beyond. I mean, I, like I said, I love looking at your feed and your things and I'm not an art teacher, so it appeals to me. So I like <laughs> it. All right. So we're going to end with a couple of, um, they're not personal questions, but you know, less like business, business, business. So at what age did you realize like you like super loved art? Like, do you remember when you were just like, Man, this is like what I want to do like all the time. When did you have your artistic oh, awakening? <laughs> I love it. Or were you like always well, crafty? Maybe. I don't know because, you know, I didn't have art in elementary school. That's so crazy to me that I think back on that. 
Um, but I was always, my dad is very artistic. And so we would do a lot of drawing together. I think they realized that I loved art. And so they got me in the only drawing class that they could when I was in elementary school, which meant that after dinner, every other night or whatever, I was driven into Joliet, Illinois, where I grew up into this like church where I took a drawing class with a bunch of older adults. And it was so weird that I was this random kid in there learning how to draw still lives. But that was like all that was available. And I loved it. You know, I loved using a kneaded eraser and using a charcoal stick. I thought it was just so fascinating. And um, and I think that every summer I also spent my summers with my grandmother who was extremely crafty, loved to sew, loved to rug hook, loved to do mm-hmm. all of those like super great, like late seventies, early eighties crafts. And so she taught me how to do all of them. And I think that I just always really enjoyed it, but it wasn't until I was in college and, and painting that I was like, oh, this is what I want to do forever. I just want to be making stuff forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When you were like, oh snap, there it is. That's what it is. Yep. Exactly. Well, you, and I'm curious too, like as an elementary school art teacher on the flip of that, is there like, is there an age where you can see, I mean, every kid loves art, you know, for the most part, is there an age where you can like, you see it click with them more. Like you find the kids that, you know, you start to see the kids that are really going to like, you can tell like, this is something they're passionate about or, Mm -hmm. you know, or that they're really, you know, have some like extra talent. Is there an age when you kind of start to like really be able to see it or pick it out? Like it's third grade, like that magic grade. (laughs) It's interesting. It just varies from kid to kid. You know, kids, they go through phases though. Like your daughter, she's Mm -hmm. so into working with polymer clay right now. That is she going to just do this forever or is it something that's just like gotten her attention right now and then it'll just kind of transform into something else later? You know what I mean? So it's hard oh, to do. say. It was, our, it was our age. journaling last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. I have this fourth grade boy. I taught, I taught hand sewing at the beginning of the year and this boy has not stopped sewing since. And so every week when he comes to art, he brings in these stuffed creations that I literally don't know how he is figuring out how to sew up a cylinder and sew up this, that, and the other and make it look perfect. It started with his fascination with my elf on a shelf and Uh he made like an assortment of elf on a shelves. And let me tell you, they look legit like elf on a shelf. This kid could sell them. And now he's making like the five night at Freddy, five nights at, I don't even Uh know what they're talking about. Teddy bears, like creepy (laughs) teddy bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like, it can sit up. It's not like a, just a sack of a potato or a, you know what I mean? It doesn't lay flat. It can actually sit up. It's amazing. And I I think this kid, if he pursues this, it's going to take him places. And it just is really exciting when you see your students who just fall in love with something that you Mm -hmm. share with them. We've got a prodigy on our hands. Yes. He's like the little boy that like is all over everywhere. That's crocheting. Yes, exactly. He's like the. I know the the, one you're talking about. Yeah, he's like he's the like plush making version of that kid. I love it. All right, so two more questions, and then we'll then we'll wrap it up. I promise. All right, so, um, you know, I asked you earlier, like, if you had like, you know, do art teachers have this curriculum of like you have to teach Warhol, you have to teach Van Gogh, or Mm -hmm. whatever. But you kind of clarified that, no, you don't really. So how often, I was going to ask you if you, like, there were any, like, indie, air quotes, artists that you, you know, work with or do lessons plans with or lesson plans. But 
um, you kind of already answered that question. And then I look through your stuff and I see, I'm not going to say his name right. I always think of you with uh, Chris Hupp. Up Hughes, is that how you say his last name? Yes, that's how uh, I say his name. I hope I've been saying it right because I've been right? saying it like crazy. <laughs> well, and I know I saw you did some stuff, and I think of you because, like, when you sent me your cute little care package, you sent me some of his stickers, which I am a closet scrapbooker, and so <gasps> like I often use them in my scrapbooks because I love those Yay. little like hearts. I mean, I've always been a fan of his stuff, but I saw that you do like a lesson plan based on his things. Are oh, there yeah. any any other like indie artists that you? teach the kids about? Oh gosh. I love teaching the kids about contemporary artists. And I learned that, you know, a couple of years ago when I would share an artist with the kid and the kids are so funny. The first thing they always want to know is, is that artist dead? I don't know why they think all the artists are dead. <laughs> all but the kids want to know probably, that. They want to know about everything. They, that's their first, they're so morbid. Is he dead? You know, it, it's mm. just, I realized that I thought it was such a weird question, but then I realized my answer oftentimes was yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course their next question is, well, how did he die? But um, I, <laughs> I realized also like your Tennessee accent, your fake Tennessee <laughs> accent you're throwing in. <laughs> and it's so funny. My kids, that none of them talk like that. That's just my person. That's how I hear them speaking. <laughs> they all talk with a British accent. They're very proper. Um, but I realized I need to share with them artists who weren't dead. And Uh so I started researching artists and Instagram is so great for introducing me to, you know, to great artists. And Chris Uphughes is a wonderful person in real life. Just the nicest guy always sends the kids stickers. So when we do a lesson about him, they all get one of the stickers with his artwork on it, which they think is just the coolest thing. Um, Jay, I like to um, introduce the kids to street artists. So mm-hmm. Jay Goldcrown is a great artist that I love to share with my kids. Romero Brito is a wonderful artist. There, um, and now of course the names are escaping me, but there's other artists who just do really fun and funky stuff that resonates with the kids. Lucy Sparrow. Are you familiar with her? She does the pop-up stores, the pop-up convenience stores. Oh yeah, that everything's felt. Yes. Yes, so- I did. I wanted to go to that so bad, like the one that was in New York. LA, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. was it in LA? One of the, you I know, think somewhere so. that's somewhere that's not Austin is all I know. But yeah, <laughs> I did. I saw it. That was amazing. So anytime I can share those artists with the kids, they just think it's fascinating. And I even had a chance to meet up with Chris and his wife, Jen, when um, he was painting a mural in Tampa and I happened to be there. And he was kind enough to film like a little video talking to the kids and they just ate it up. They just loved it. So I think it mm. really means a lot more to them. Um, knowing that there are artists currently working, painting, painting about issues that are important to them and, you know, spreading their awesomeness. Yeah. I love to share those artists with the kids. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, I I guess I didn't really think of it that way. Like a lot of the biggies that people talk about are, you know, no longer with us. So it's good to introduce them. Like we took um, the kids to Meow Wolf this summer. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I was just talking to my mom on the phone about this. She just came back from going out there with my brother. Okay. Did she go into Meow Wolf? Yes. She loved it. Oh yeah. We loved it. Like I want to go back because now there's like an exhibit in there by these Australian people that have a called Pip and Pop, I think, but I follow them on Instagram and I'm like, oh, we have to go back to Santa Fe. But yeah, I mean, it just like, it so impacted my daughter, especially, I mean, my son loved it, but I mean, my daughter, like she wanted to be like 
meow wolf slash shaggy for halloween <laughs> like she has a meow wolf post poster in her room she has like a plush animal she has the t-shirts like yeah you know seeing all these like younger artists and these like hit modern art things i think it just mm-hmm. sometimes blows the kids minds like what they're not all like from the 1800s and like cutting ears off like how did that happen? <laughs> it goes beyond the canvas you know what I mean it, it makes it so that art isn't just a painting that hangs with a gold frame on a wall in a museum you know it takes art to a completely different place another dimension for the kids which is really you know mind-blowing and mm-hmm. awesome for us and for the kids well yeah and especially like you're you know, your student that's doing the 3D, like, sculptural stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's another important lesson for kids. Like, it doesn't always have to be this, like, flat on a canvas with a paintbrush and a... Exactly. And a doodle, doodle, doodle. So, (laughs) (laughs) So I end every interview with the same question, which is, tell me about queso in Franklin, Tennessee. (laughs) <laughs> do, you ha- do you have it? I'm assuming you didn't have it in Indiana and Joliet. Maybe Joliet, but I don't know. That was in the 80s. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I mean, my grandma was from Peoria. I don't remember a lot of, uh, a lot a lot of, of queso, queso in those parts. <laughs> oh, we've got, we've got some pretty good spots for some queso, you know, and I like my queso spicy. So I like to add a little splash of Tabasco, but I actually to add Tabasco to everything. So that's not quite fair. But um, yeah, we've got the queso. I can't deal with it when it gets that little skin on it, though. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, that is creepy. I mean, nope. No, no. <laughs> Congratulations. You're the first person to gag on my podcast. <laughs> Cassie wins the award. <laughs> but I know exactly the creepy, like, skin. Oh, like when, I can see it. I know. It's like when you put glue on your skin, like speaking of kids mm. in art class, and you get that, like, fake creepy skin. It totally does look like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank, thank you for ruining Casey. I know. I was just going to say, Cassie. now nobody's going to want to Thank you again to my guest, Cassie Stevens. Please go and order her books. Follow her on all her social channels. I'll have links to all of the above in the show notes and at creativecaso.com. Check out those beach towel skirts that I was talking about and just deep dive into all of her creative awesomeness. She makes me want to rethink my career path. Like, is it too late for me to become an elementary school art teacher? Cassie does already have all the amazing lesson plans there for me to follow on her website. If you love this episode or any episode of the Creative Queso podcast, please be sure to leave us a review in iTunes, share this episode with a friend, and subscribe. Thank you as always to my producer, Mariah Gossett, and to Chris Beck for the smooth jams. You can find me all week long at Creative Queso or Jennifer Perkins on Instagram, Facebook, and my websites. And I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>